Welcome to episode 20 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, we're excited to share some Kickstarter success stories that will spotlight creativity that benefits backpackers. Then, in celebration of April Fool's Day, we'll give you five cringeworthy pranks that will leave your trailmates wondering why they invited you. Then, the Summit Gear Review features a puffy that retains 96% of its warmth, even when wet. The Backpack Hack of the Week will show you a simple trick to win the man versus paracord battle. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from a random snarky person on the internet. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Well, Josh, back in episode 12, we talked about some Kickstarter projects and how Kickstarter is a really fun place to find innovative backpacking gear. Yeah, so you've been keeping tabs on Kickstarter, and I think you've found a couple more projects that have come along that you think our listeners would be interested in. So the Fogo is an all-in-one adventure gadget. I know that seems kind of vague because you could even define a knife as an all-in-one adventure gadget, but this has amazing capabilities. Um, To start out with, it's a walkie-talkie. So if you and your friend on the trail both have Fogos, then you can use them to talk to each other. One of the other functions that I'm really excited about is the crash detection function. This could be for people who are hiking or biking. It's really It's an all-in-one adventure gadget. So really, whatever activity you're doing, if you have fallen, it will send a notification to the other people in your party that there's been a fall. It also has an inactivity tracker, which I really liked that because sometimes you you stop for lunch, the people ahead of you have, have gone on, and if you're sitting down for more than the amount of time that you've set on the device, then it'll send a message saying, hey, are you okay? And it'll uh, allow you to message to the people in your party that, you know, hey, we just stopped for lunch for 15 minutes and uh, we'll be on our way. Another thing that I'm excited about is the GPS metrics. So it'll allow you to know where you are. And then another function that is not in this device yet, but is on the really close horizon is the take me home option. So if you just select that option, it will point you in the right direction for how to get home, how to get back to base camp. So that's really neat, just a really neat function that they're, they're trying to get that ready for future improvements to this device. I can see why that would be a challenging function to develop uh, because we don't have wings and we can't just fly home. You know, that would be easy enough to just say, go this way. But that could take you through a ravine or over a volcano or whatever uh, to get you back to home base. And, you know, their long-term plan is to have an app, basically an app store. So there will be lots of add-ons and just extra functionality that's going to come with this all-in-one adventure gadget. Um, Oh, another thing I was going to tell you about that's really exciting is, say you have a friend who's fallen down a a hill (laughs) and, um, and it's dark and you have other friends with Fogo devices and you're trying to find them. If you turn on a certain functionality, the light will flash in different patterns as you um, use it to direct your path. Okay. It, it helps you find 
Yeah, so you could hold your light out and start turning around in a circle, and when it goes from flashing to solid beam, you know which way to walk. Right. Any interesting stories about why they're doing this? Well, I know that the guys who were working on developing this product spent 15 years in product development, so they really just took all of their combined knowledge, combined experience, and put it into one single product. And not only that, they're developing more more ideas and uh, more functionality every day on this. I can imagine where the communication capabilities of the FOGO would have been useful on a trip that we took um, around Mount Hood. We had beautiful weather most of the week, but one morning we had this great storm come through and we were getting sideways rain and had visibility of maybe 50 feet. And we had separated into a couple of groups. And so there were two guys who were back behind us and then four of us further out in front. And, and we were really trying to kind of push through and get through that gnarled ridge area where it was totally exposed, no trees. You've just got that storm blowing right on you, coming right down off the top of the mountain. And so it felt like the best thing to do was to push through as quickly as we could to get to a more protected area. And in fact, it worked. We actually got through Gnarl Ridge and started dropping down in elevation, and the storm cleared out, and it became a sunny day again, so it was beautiful. But during that experience of maybe three or four hours, we became really worried about the two other guys that were further behind us because we just had no way of knowing what their status was. And we saw some of those gusts of wind that nearly knocked us down, and we thought, what happens if one of them falls? and is injured. Does the other one just stay there with him? Does he try to dump his pack and run and catch up with us? What do we do? You know, and then the trail was really obscure too. There were certain spots where I really wasn't sure that we were on the trail. And I thought, what if the two guys behind us take a different turn and end up off the trail? So in that sort of situation, this would have been a nice device to have to just be able to send them a little message and say, everything okay? And to have them text back and say, yeah, we're just plodding along. We're fine. (laughs) So I looked up the battery on this device. It's 6,800 milliamp hours, uh, which is equivalent to three or four cell phone batteries. And it has a USB charger built in, so you could use it to charge your cell phone several times. The idea is that it will be available in the fall, and when the device rolls around this fall, the price will be around $200. Anyway, it's, it's new technology, it's exciting, and uh, I, I really wish them success in this project. Well, the other uh, new project that you found on Kickstarter is not a device, not a product. And it is not a joke either. I know this is the week of April Fool's Day, but uh, when I found this, I just laughed. But it's, it's real. So Michael Kaufman spent a lot of time in the Klamath Mountains in Northwest California and actually wrote a hiking guide called Conifer Country, which celebrates the region in the Klamath Mountains. But he created the Bigfoot Trail Alliance. What this organization is going to do is put together a trail using some existing trails and clearing out some other sections that people would have had to bushwhack before, but create this trail that goes through conifer country. And there's no guarantee that you're going to see Bigfoot on this trail. However, you will see 32 different conifer species. You'll go through six wilderness areas and one national park. This trail is 360 miles long, 
But like you said, the full trail doesn't completely exist yet. It's only a line on a map. And if you're a really intrepid backpacker, you could follow that route and there's a way and you'll make it. But the idea behind uh, the Alliance is to really bring that trail into fruition as, a, as one continuous trail, 360 miles, that any backpacker could do. And that'd be pretty cool. I, you know, it reminds me of the John Muir Trail, uh, which is also in California. So this Alliance, you can think of it being like uh, the Pacific Crest Trail Association, the PCTA, or the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, the ATC. There are these nonprofit organizations that promote and support and, and help to maintain a particular trail. So that's what the Bigfoot Trail Alliance would do. Well, to go with its whimsical name, it really has a whimsical starting location. The Bigfoot Trail is going to start in the Yala Bali Middle Eel Wilderness. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss location. Wow. Yala Bali Middle Eel Wilderness. Don't you just want to say that over and over? Yala Bali. <laughs> That's a great tongue twister. I love it. <laughs> it ends around Crescent City, California, which is where the Redwoods are which is where we are going on our spring break trip. So I'm actually curious. I'm going to look up the, the full path of the trail and see there might be a section that we could hike with our family. Yeah, the map is on the website. We'll put a link in the show notes for the website, and that will be thefirst40miles.com slash 020. That's episode 20. Well, we want to congratulate the Bigfoot Trail Alliance for completing a successful Kickstarter campaign, and we wish you even more success on the trail. Yeah, by the way, they far exceeded their Kickstarter goal. The Kickstarter goal was just to get enough money to actually form the nonprofit entity, uh, but they went thousands beyond that. So what they're going to do is use that additional money to start actual work on the trail. Well, with April Fool's Day right around the horizon, it's tomorrow. You've come up with a top five list that's a little bit different than most. Well, I am a little bit of a practical jokester. Yeah, like last night when we were sitting around the dinner table after dinner, and you and our daughter had this small jar of Miracle Whip. And Miracle Whip is like the grossest stuff in the world oh, to agree. me. And she was dipping the spoon in to take a big bite of just plain old Miracle Whip. I was just like, I, I'm done with you too. Um, I'm gonna like check Facebook or something. <laughs> and no, I'm not gonna eat some. <laughs> we offered you exorbitant amounts of money too. And no, well, anyway, it was delicious. It was vanilla pudding and it was in a Miracle Whip jar. So anyway, we had fun with that. All right, so top five backpacking pranks. What would you pull yeah, on the trail? We had some uh, some rules for this because uh, you don't want to make people angry that you'll be sleeping within 10 feet of. So um, no pranks that would make people cry. That's rule number one. <laughs> and then rule number two is it's got to be lightweight. We'll start with prank number one, the kitty toy prank. You know how cats love to bat things around. and So what you're going to do is you're going to tie something to the back of your friend's pack so that it dangles and kind of drags behind them like a kitty toy. And you get extra bonus points if it's a colorful item like a bandana. And of course, you get extra points if they don't notice it for more than a mile. Yeah, and you got to be uh, stealth about putting it onto their pack. 
clever. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to trust you on the trail anymore. Well, with this kitty toy prank, game over if your friend ends up attracting a mountain lion who wants to chase the kitty toy. Ooh, yeah. So I don't know. Are mountain lions, do they like to, to bat around I don't colorful find out. bandanas? All right. We need a disclaimer on this prank. Uh, <laughs> it may be dangerous. Prank number two, the spooky eyes prank. And this requires two circles of reflective tape. And you're going to want to sneak out before it gets dark and place them on a shrub so they look like eyes when you flash your flashlight on them in the dark. So when everyone is around the campfire or uh, getting things all settled for bed, you shine your flashlight out into the woods and you say, are those eyes? Do you see those eyes out there? So uh, make sure that you're the brave one that goes and checks it out. and. you can scare off the wild beast out there and then collect your two reflective circles. And use them again the next night, of oh, course. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so the animal is following you all week. Tracking you. <laughs> well, the next prank, prank number three, is the headless backpacker prank. So every time your friend asks you to take their picture, all you do is you cut off their head in the photo. And, you know, this prank works even better with a group shot where you get the whole group cut their head off. Oh, boy. (laughs) You know, if you really like your friend, what you're going to do is take two pictures. So you have a headless picture and then you have a normal picture. Okay, so you take the normal picture first and then immediately after that you take the headless picture. Oh, yeah. So that way when they look on their (laughs) camera, the first thing they see is the the last picture picture you took. (laughs) So the fourth backpacking prank is the old map switcheroo. So what you'll want to do is bring an old, outdated map of another area. And what you do is you get your hiking buddies to gather around it and kind of start talking about, you know, I don't think we went on the right trail. I don't think this is the right way to go. And you get them all kind of buzzing around it. When your other friend comes over to see what's going on, hilarity will ensue. (laughs) And bonus points if you can find a map that's a little bit like the place that you're actually at. So, for example, if you're hiking near a lake, this other map needs to have a lake on it. Or if you're hiking around a mountain, this other map needs to be a trail around a mountain. But just a completely different trail around a completely different mountain. (laughs) That sounds like a lot of fun. And the number five backpacking prank that you can pull on your next trip is the bubbling spring prank. And what you'll want to do is bring a bottle of seltzer water and peel off the label so no one suspects. Then, when you get a chance to fill up someone's water bottle, you put a little bit of the sparkling water in. Even better, like when you're in charge of pumping water for the group, pour a little in everyone's bottle and ask them if this isn't the best, freshest water they've ever tasted. Oh boy, that's mean. (laughs) Harmless. (laughs) And harmless, you're right. So remember the rules. You can't leave anyone in tears and still try and be uh, lightweight as possible. Well, if you've had some great experiences with really fun, harmless pranks on the trail, we would love to hear about them either on Facebook or on Twitter. So tomorrow's April Fool's Day. Get busy. Well, next up is our Summit Gear Review. On the Summit Gear Review, we review based on structure, utility, mass, maintenance, 
Investment and Trial. Today we're reviewing the men's Patagonia Nano Puff, which is a jacket. Which is a jacket. <laughs> it is not a puff of fluff, although it's really lightweight. It is really lightweight. It's under twelve ounces. That's impressive. Yeah. So this Patagonia Nano Puff jacket is made with Primaloft gold insulation. And、it's、gold is the name of the insulation, not the material they use, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's really great insulation. The exterior of the jacket is made with 100% recycled polyester ripstop nylon. This jacket has a DWR finish, and you'll see that on a lot of different things as you're shopping for clothing. DWR stands for Durable Water Repellent. This jacket is super functional. It's windproof, it's water resistant, and it has an incredible warmth to weight ratio. One of the features is has a draw cord down at the bottom hem, and that can seal in warmth, or it can also ventilate if you're too hot. Another thing that's kind of a, I guess it's a pet peeve in other jackets, but、um, you know how when you zip it all the way up to the top and you're all toasty and warm, and then you have that cold zipper that's touching your neck or the bottom of your chin. Yeah. Well, this jacket actually has like a little, a little cover. Just in that, you know, maybe two or three inch section where the zipper would touch your chin or your neck, and it's like this little, the little cover for for the zipper. Yeah, I love those little extra details because it really makes your experience so much better. All those little things combined just really、uh, they add to the enjoyment of the product and the utility. One of the things that I was really surprised about is that it retains ninety six percent of its warmth even when wet. A puffy is one of the core pieces of your clothing layering system. You'll have the base layer, and then you'll usually have, you know, another layer there, some kind of a shirt. And then when you need the extra protection from the weather, you've got your puffy that provides an insulating layer, and then you've got some kind of outer shell that protects you from、uh, wind and rain. So this is a key piece of that layering system. And so when I was trying to decide what to buy for my insulating layer, one of my big decision points was whether to go with down or synthetic. Living in the Pacific Northwest, I ended up deciding to go synthetic. If I'd went with a down puffy, I could get even lighter weight and even higher compressibility. But I was just worried that when it got wet, it would be done for. I know they're coming out with some pretty amazing water repellent down now. And so that may become an option for me, but I felt a lot safer going with、uh, the synthetic options. In terms of maintenance for this jacket, one of the things to remember is how your layering system goes together. Being the insulating layer, this jacket should never be the layer that's against your skin because you should have a base layer, and it should never be your outer layer. You should have some kind of a jacket or shell over top of it. For that reason, you should rarely need to clean your puffy. No matter what synthetic insulation your jacket or your sleeping bag uses, you're always going to want to store it uncompressed. That makes it so the loft stays lofted. Yeah. In terms of investment, this jacket、uh, typically sells for one ninety nine. So we're talking about two hundred dollars here for a jacket, which Uh, depending where you're coming from, that can sound like a lot. If you 
haven't been out backpacking before, that sounds like a lot of money to spend on a jacket because you can go to the local department store and, and certainly get something for under $100. The big difference is the weight and the other features such as the waterproofing and uh, windproofing and uh, you know the drawstring, all those little features. But like I say, the big one is the weight, 12 ounces, highly compressible, plus all the other features that I got. It, to me, I think it ended up being a great investment, and I've been really happy with it. Well, the Backpack Hack of the Week is up next, and we have a great way for you to keep your paracord tangle-proof. Paracord is a kind of rope. Yeah, it's a really common backpacking item because... Um, one of the cool things is that you can open it up and there are strands inside that can be used for other things. Like you can use it as a fishing line or you can uh, repair your tent with it if you have a needle. So it's, huh. it's like one of those multi-purpose things. Yeah. So we'll this, have is to... a, this is a rope that you could actually deconstruct? Correct. Huh. And once you take out the middle, the outside is still just as useful. We should do, yeah, we'll do a little episode where we go a little bit deeper into paracord. Okay. It's a really fun, Sounds cool. fun survival type item. A lot of people, when they wrap up their paracord, they'll just wrap it around their hand over and over and over until they've got a, a bundle of paracord and then they'll wrap that last foot kind of around that bundle and toss it in their pack. Well, when they go to unravel it, it usually is all clumped and knotted together. It's just one of the, mm. the mysteries of, of rope. So if you want to wrap up your paracord in a way that is super easy to unravel, what you'll do is you'll wrap that paracord in a figure eight pattern around your thumb and your pinky finger. And you just keep doing that over and over until you get close to the end. And then you just wrap that final foot of paracord around the middle of the figure eight and secure the tail underneath the last loop. There is your backpack hack of the week. Well, in a recent episode, we sang a little AT song that covered the 14 states on the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, that was great. Really helpful to try to remember them all. You know, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, et cetera. But I felt like we were leaving out our West Coasters. Yeah. The Pacific Crest Trail is even longer than the Appalachian Trail. And we didn't give them a way to remember the states of the PCT. So here's what I came up with. California, Oregon, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that's helpful. Uh, and now you'll never forget the states of the PCT. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Can you come? Can you do me one better? I think so. Well, I'm not saying I can do you one better, but I do have another idea that might help. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, let's hear it. Okay, to the tune of Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes. Let's try it. Okay. Okay, you ready? Okay. California, Oregon, Washington, Oregon, Washington, California, Oregon, Washington, Oregon, Washington. These are the states on the PCT. California, Oregon, Washington, Oregon, Washington. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. Just in case you had trouble remembering. So. Yeah, uh, we always want to provide value on this show. Correct. All right. Well, we have a little trail wisdom from some random snarky person on the internet. I found this on. Uh, a snarky e-card on Pinterest and was not attributed to anyone. April Fool's Day. This is, this is a good one. The reason it's called Mother Nature 
is because if it were called Father Nature, the weather would be a lot more predictable. Makes sense. What? (laughs) (laughs) That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, like us on Facebook or review us on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Congratulate the Bigfoot Trail Allowance. (laughs) (laughs) California, Oregon, Washington. Okay, that's in my range. I need to start high enough. British Columbia. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe Mexico. (laughs) And the Yukon. (laughs) Why not go to Alaska? (laughs) And then the USSR. (laughs) Oh, wait, that doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) 